hello and welcome to another episode of we ain't got no podcast we apologize for a bit of a hiatus in between we had we were with you before the champions league game against bayern munich which was on the 26th of february but between then and now which is a period of probably uh, just under 2 weeks we've had so many games that we've ended up with quite a backlog and jimmy as always i am joined by jimmy funnel hello jimmy hi ram uh, uh sorry i fun. i kind of had to shoehorn your introduction in there because i began thinking about bayern munich as uh, as soon as i saw the backlog of fixtures that we have for this episode of the podcast uh so yeah. what, what did you what did you think about uh, bayern coming and giving us a bit of a schooling at stamford bridge I can't I can't remember what you're talking about. I don't know. I don't think it ever happened. So um probably didn't. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean to be fair it's it's been it's been a while we 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 as you correctly said we we should only like briefly address this cuz we've got already the the return leg around the corner so that should be of course the focus but generally speaking I mean <sighs> They were just much better than us. Let, let's be completely honest here. I mean, they were a better team. They, we, we were quite good in the first half, I guess. But generally speaking, you know, this is, it was just men against boys, nearly. I, I, I've got to be completely <laughs> really honest. The the, the irony, I guess, it. was the irony was that maybe the boy in their team. Uh, caused us a lot of damage to you Alfonso know, Davis yeah he, i mean wow yeah I, that kind of exposed the lack of pace that we had i guess in addition to us playing too high because it felt as if Reece James got caught high and he also couldn't match Alfonso Davis for pace so we were we were really anticipating that that one on one duel weren't we Reece James versus Alfonso yeah. Davis Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there was clearly one winner. Oh, I mean, yeah. Did, yeah, no, the, undoubtedly. But I, I, I really didn't expect that um, Reese James would have such problems. I mean, he didn't. I think I can't remember him uh, getting one cross right. Yep. It, it was like a completely different Reese James, and you know he's young, and that's fine. You know, that's something that we all forget. Um, and we see what a great player he is and how good he has been for Chelsea but generally speaking you know that that was no one can see okay for the real elite he's still got a you know a long way to go but then again you know he's so so young and that's something that we forget because he's so composed on the ball and uh plays as if you know he'd be playing with the pros for ages but i mean happens all... right it happens you know it wasn't his That's, best day and the whole thing whatever to happen good. then it would probably be on on an occasion like that where yeah, maybe exactly. it would be a little easy to get over, overwhelmed by things maybe first yeah. knockout game no, i mean never mind first champions league campaign uh, first knockout game against a team like bayern munich mm. uh but yeah they were just they were better than us they were pretty much everywhere one day i mean it was it was very it was a hard watch the first half was okay i guess but then second half was just they scored twice boom and then we, it's it's like we lost all of i mean any sort of mental grit again uh, that's again an issue that we talked talked about before the ability of we not did. being able to come back really but yeah I, i guess that was just one massive learning experience obviously we still have the return leg to go which is our next to next game in munich which will be played behind closed doors no, no fans to uh, cheer the cheer, cheer the team on but hopefully they will play for pride either way and learn from the mistakes of the last leg and just not not look uh, as bad i guess yeah yeah that's, i mean uh, that's all we can hope know. yeah i hope that bayern will maybe uh, also turn tune it down a bit i uh, i mean they'll want to yes it's you know we our chances of succeeding here are next to none i mean it's it's it's, it's 
<laughs> well, you know, people would say we have to stay positive, and that, of course, but Bayern Munich is one of the best teams in Europe, even if they're not currently in their best form, and that says a lot. You know, with all I, I'd say it's it's less unlikely than us winning the Champions League final at the Allianz Arena. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh dear God, yes. So uh, in that respect, you know, we have to stay. Uh, we're, ha- we're not allowed to forget where we are currently and where Bayern Munich is. And um, yeah. I mean that that I think any sane Chelsea fan will know that and uh, will accept that. And you know, yeah. let's wait and see how we play in, for example, a year or two. And yep. then we can say, ah, okay, how far have we come? But at the moment, it's 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 ludicrous to think that we could really take them by, and even in such a, a difficult state as it currently is for them, because this is the first time in ages where they've actually had to work to get the title this year. Uh, yeah. Leipzig is fantastic, and big shout out after yesterday's game to Marcel oh, Sabitzer. Yeah. Uh, I've I, I've <laughs> seen him. A long time. The first time I watched him was actually when he was still at Admira, uh, Admira uh, Moodling, Vaca Moodling. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know if you heard of it. Probably. Oh, of course knew, I mm, Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, you would, of course, because uh, in your scouting duties, you will have heard. But for, uh, I think most people won't have heard of Admira. And um, he he was initially there, and then he went to Salzburg, and then um, he went to Leipzig as as customary nowadays <laughs> if you're yeah, from something yeah. not actually not the last transfer window because minamino Haaland. but anyway point is um great player very 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 sound um showed what he can do Don't very, know versatile. very versatile yeah he can play anywhere across the attacking band can also play up front as a force nine yep. not his best position gotta say but you know it's possible but talking about uh coming to chelsea now um I mean, completely disregarding the Bayern Munich match, and I think a lot of us were thinking after that game, well, blimey, you know, where we go from here is not going to get any easier, our fixture list. And yet, now we're here, and we've had two great wins on the bounce. Um, Yes, we have. I mean, Merseyside is ours, right? (laughs) Yeah, basically is. It's... uh... Yeah, Merseyside is Royal Royal Chelsea Blue because we we beat Liverpool quite comprehensively and we beat Everton even more comprehensively. I'd say that was uh, the Liverpool win felt really nice, even though they didn't start with their you know preferred front three. Yeah, they still they, they still played a reasonably strong side, and don't forget that we had a lot of our own injury problems to deal with. I mean, we started exactly. with Billy Gilmore. They started with Curtis Jones, but we started. With Billy Gilmer. and obviously, I'd say both 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 of the teams were equally beaten down by injuries, I suppose. And Chelsea, nevertheless, gave a very good account of themselves. And to be fair, in all of our games against Liverpool this season, so in the Super Cup and uh, the one before this in the league, I think we've played well. We have. I think yeah. we have been on the end of some very harsh results. And we finally got the one that we deserved at Stamford Bridge. So that was that was very sweet. And obviously the, the one big talking point from that game is young Billy Gilmore. Yeah. Uh, comparable, you know, age-wise with young Adam Lalana. But because uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I heard them say that, it was the first thing I was thinking about. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Billy Gilmore is the star of the hour. He's the man of the hour. He's been... Uh, Absolutely fantastic in both games, you know. I mean, I think it was even better against Liverpool than yeah. it was against Everton. But even against Everton, he was the guy who was doing everything. You know, he was everywhere. He was just... I, I, I can't even find a, a word to really describe him. Sublime would be maybe the most appropriate. Because even though, of course, there were maybe the one or the other mistake, but something that one has to keep in mind is... um. At his age, you have no right to be that composed. You have no right to be so assured in your passing and in in your movement. And he does it. And, I mean, that's just phenomenal. And, I mean, he's still got a long way to go. You know, he's only 18, I think, is now, right? Yeah, he's only 18. 
He's only 18. I wasn't sure if it was 17 and 18, but he's he's only 17, uh, 18. Um, and it's actually scary how good he already is yeah. for that age. And um, it's only going to get better, you'd expect. So people were already calling it, oh, we might be another Josh McEachran, which still hurts people. Stop that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's already shown... He's up for the task when people were injured, you know, or suspended in Jorginho's case. I mean, he he took his chance by the scruff of the neck and he just showed the world, I'm here. Yep. I can do this. And wow. I, I mean, that must be a very, very proud moment for the family. Absolutely ecstatic for, G- uh, for Billy Gilmore. And uh, there's a lot more to come. Um, I mean... Do you actually see him starting now ahead of our usual routine guys? You know, like a, a Jorginho, a, a Mateo Kovacic, or um, Mason Mount even? What do you think? Uh, I could see that, you know. And before that, just you mentioned Josh McEachern, and I was thinking about this just mm. idly before we decided to record today's episode, and... I was thinking of distinctions that we could point out and say this is why Billy Gilmore isn't going to mm. isn't going to be another Josh McEachern. And I yeah. think the the proof is already in the pudding for like maybe three reasons. One of them being that he's already played in more important fixtures than Josh McEachern ever did at the time. I think yeah. McEachern came on in one high pressure situation, which was his debut against Newcastle in the um, Carling Cup. And he, and then after that, it was just, you know, MSK Zelena, I think, in the Champions League. Mm. Gilmore has been thrown into the start over here in against the best team in the world. And a legitimate Premier League game against a fellow top 7-8-ish contender side uh, right from the start. And both games with high stakes. And so that that's one thing. Another thing is that I feel as if Kilmore has a lot more about him physically than Joshua Kekron, even though they're of... I mean, neither of them is very well-built or anything, or very tall. But just in terms of body language, mm. movement, work rate, I feel as if Kilmore is a lot more defensively astute than McEachern was. And or McEachern even is at this point in his career, having watched him recently. And another thing is... The most important, of course, is that Lampard is here. And if things go at this rate, Lampard will be here for at least another year. And McEachern simply didn't have that sort of stability. There's a case to be made that if McEachern had played with a number of good players around him, that he would maybe end up in a better place than he is at the moment. But Gilmore has that essential level of of stability that McEachern never did. So that's... Mm. I think I think I think that's three solid reasons as to why Gilmore mm-hmm. won't won't turn into another player like that. But yeah, as for as for his performance itself, he was he was really good. He was um, sublime, really. So so composed on the ball, receiving it from the defenders on the half turn, mm. under pressure. Just he's he's really good in tight spaces and. What, what I loved about him as compared to even Jorginho, because you shouldn't be afraid to make that comparison at this point, mm. is that I, I feel as if Jorginho doesn't look to pass between the opposition midfield and defence as much as Billy Gilmore does. I thought that he did that a number of times against Liverpool and against Everton. Just they don't, they don't have to be fancy balls over the top like Fabregas used to play to Diego Costa. Mm. I feel as if Jorginho tries those a lot and they Sometimes they come off and they look really good, but a lot of the time they end up looking really aimless and out mm. of sync. But Kilmore keeps it ticking through midfield, you know. He can play these powerful grounded balls that break the lines, I mean, which breaks the midfield line of the other team, so to speak. Mm. And I found that really effective against Everton, and I really love that. I think that's a very valuable uh, skill to have. So I don't see why he shouldn't start uh, as as the season comes to an end, because if he's going to play like this, uh, Lampard is a believer in meritocracy, and I believe that Lampard will keep him in and around the squad, or at least give him a a, 
a better chance than he did in the past to allow him to keep his place. So, mm. if it's a question of Jorginho coming back straight into the side, don't be surprised if he doesn't immediately come back in after his three-game suspension. That's all I'm going to say. Because if if Gilmore Gilmore is going to play against Bayern as well, I assume, because uh, Jorginho. I mean. Oh, he's, Jorginho is suspended. Yeah. He's suspended, isn't he? Yeah, that's why. Yeah. So, Gilmore has a solid three games to prove himself. One being Liverpool, mm-hmm. Everton, and Bayern Munich. I think Bayern Munich is obviously going to be his biggest test yet, even though we're on a huge deficit. And if he plays really well there, I think there's no reason to think that he isn't in for starting against Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> the thing is... Every part of my body says, no, I don't think so, because this is just too good to be true. This this isn't something that, as a Chelsea fan, we're accustomed to. I know, you know, Frank Lampard, new new managers, he trusts his his boys, his lads. All good, but I still just find it so unrealistic that we're at this point, actually. And it's good, it's good, you know, it's good. This isn't a bad, that's not a bad thing. Um, Whether... Gilmore starts. I mean, if we look at the options, you know, there's not really that much to choose from uh, at this point. So I think he will be looking at this and saying, oh, you know, gosh, this I could actually really start one of the most crucial games of the season. Um, I mean, some might argue, well, you know, we're out of it anyway. What's the point? It's not that crucial. <sighs> I would actually say, you know, I think this is very much crucial. And um, uh, if he puts in another performance as he did against um, the two Merseyside teams, then, you know, yeah, who I could imagine it. But, you know, Kovacic has been our best player this season. Yeah, And he has to start. That's the one. Mason Mountain has been fantastic as well, mm. even if he'd start more up front. And, we, you know, if we have a double pivot, then Kovacic, for me, has to start. But then yeah. you also have Ruben Loftus Cheek coming back, and he's one of those that I've been so much looking forward to the start. We've just got such such a huge amount of options up in that that's area, huge. exactly, and that's um, nice. But still, I, I don't, I don't, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic in regards to that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I think that he's basically just in competition with Jorginho, though, because. Probably. I think that their skill sets are the most similar. And he probably wouldn't be wouldn't be in the same sort of space as Kovacic or Mason Mount, even though he did he did play in a more Yeah. I'm sorry, go on. I mean he, No no he no, played... I was interrupting you, mate, but yeah, I just <laughs> wanted to say, I mean, because what you're gonna say now, you know? The forward role. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. Uh, he's, he 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 actually played there against Everton after Mason Mount went off. I think mm. he, he moved to a more advanced role from his uh, sitting number six, and I, I thought he looked surprisingly comfortable there as well. He made a number of runs into the mm. box, number of advanced runs. He actually caused them problems there as well. I, I think that goes to show that he's a much more well-rounded midfielder and well-rounded player than we give him credit for. Or then it might appear from his uh, diminutive physique, but yeah, I, I think that he's he's basically it's either him or Jorginho, and I think Kovacic uh, has been our best midfielder this season, and he's probably dead ringer to start whenever he's fit. And then I think it's basically between Mason Mount and Ross Barkley. That's how I see the midfield. Um, Compet- uh, that's how I see the midfield competition going. I think the it's, it's either going to be Mason Mount or Barkley when. Uh, other than a fit, unless he decides to use Mason out wide, of course. Speaking of which, um, our wide options have currently been Willian and Pedro, haven't they? And they have, yeah. Willian doesn't seem like he's going to stay. And I don't think he's been... I mean, he had good moments against Everton where he completely beat Lucas Dini for pace uh, early on in the game, at least in the first half, first 40 minutes. Mm. And that was really that was really cool to see, but how about Pedro? We 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 have spoken about Pedro a number of times on this podcast yeah. with um, disdain, more or less, saying that he's finished, he's done at this level. But I mean, w- was it just a matter of him playing 
enough minutes to get match fit enough and actually get back into the groove of things. But because now that he's now that he's playing games, um, now that he's starting, he I thought he was a real asset to us in both games because not only does he still have that amount of pace to survive for at least a short duration at this level, like William, mm. but he works so hard in defense. Wow. I mean, he he recovered possession so many times against Liverpool and against Everton. I thought it was very crucial to us winning the ball back. What I mean, what, what do you make of uh, Pedro's sudden resurgence now? Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, you're completely right. We've spoken about this quite a few times now. And um, I think it's great because uh, I've always said, even though... Um, you know, I, I've been one of his, his critics very much because he just wasn't able to adjust to the way, the intensity with which uh, Lampard played. And also to pass the ball was, for Pedro, something impossible. I don't know. It was already with Sari the case, which made drove me mad. It just took him ages. He didn't pass the ball uh, and it just didn't fit our style. Um, I don't know whether he's just, you know, put his head down, uh, put in a shift in training and now he's doing that uh or then he was doing that because now in the game he was he was literally doing where what people were saying yeah you're no longer doing this you're not good enough anymore and proving his doubt is wrong whether or not that's enough to warrant him staying uh after the summer uh, over the summer you know that's a different topic entirely about that exactly but for now it's just very welcome because with um what's uh, with Callum Hudson-Odoi still injured which you know he's once again injured unfortunately which is a huge blow and Christian Pulisic just ages since we've seen him it feels like um this is fantastic you know I mean we really need Pedro at the moment in the way he's playing and he's turning up. And I think that is just, that epitomizes Pedro, even though we already thought, you know, he's, he's finished. This is a guy who's won more than any other player in that Premier League at the moment. He is, he might've not been Lionel Messi at Barcelona, but this guy has experienced that players can only dream about. And he has an elite, an absolutely elite mentality. And um, I don't want to sound hypocritical because uh, I have been slating him a lot. And I think it was also deserved at this point, one has to say, because he wasn't playing well. And I'm, I'm sure a seasoned pro like Pedro will be the first to acknowledge that. Um, but he is now. So that's perfect timing for Chelsea. Um, you know, Champions League, you wouldn't think that's really going to go our way anymore. But for the league... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the link-up play for that second goal against uh, Everton was just fantastic. It really was. And Pedro played an integral um, role in that because he made that run, which we've been dying for. Well, actually, we've had seen that, but for our attacking players to actually bury. And he did. And he did. And you couldn't have asked for more from Pedro. So in that respect, huge, 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 huge uh, appreciation of Pedro. And... um, Great to see him play that well. Um, yep. I mean, William, great goal. Um, but, you know, I can remember one instance where he gave the ball away in when going forward. And then he was just jogging back. While everyone was trying to scramble back, you know, sprinting, he was jogging. And that's the one of the things where I just cannot stand about William. Because, you know, people say, oh, he's work rate, he's work rate. In certain instances when he does run, then he is fantastic. And he's someone he does never get tired. He could have sprint back and, you know, try to correct his mistake. He didn't because sometimes he's just pissed off because something doesn't go his way. And then he jogs. I'm sorry. You know, I I don't want to slate him too much because he has been playing well this season, but I just, as a person, I don't like William. I've said this for a long time now. And um, that's just one of the qualities that I do not like about him. But, you know, we need him, and if he isn't going to stay, then I'm just going to be uh, positive towards him until the end of the season because he has done a lot for this club, um, yeah. no matter all the other stuff that's happened. So, yeah, um, uh, that 
that would be yeah, it. Don't mind if he goes. Yeah. Basically. And yeah, yeah. That's, that, thanks that's for the thanks for the six years of service and exactly. Thanks for the goals uh, and seven years, emojis. Actually. Yeah, seven years. Yeah. Trophy emojis and the indirect free kicks that weren't meant to go into the net. But yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to go that far, but you know, <laughs> uh, but generally, you know, he he has been good. He's just never uh, yeah. fulfilled the potential that people saw in him and still see yeah. in him. Um, but you know, before we go to Giroud, because I really would like to talk about Olivier Giroud's resurgence, uh, we'll just quickly take a quick break. Welcome back, and we were just about to talk about Olivier Giroud, who, like Pedro, has. Oh well, speaking of Pedro, they were both. Almost certain to leave in the winter, weren't they? Mm-hmm. But now they're both playing really well, and they're both <laughs> been big reasons as to why we've won the last two games. And Giroud has been excellent. He has, he yeah. has been so crucial in us being an effective direct side because I, I actually, honestly, I must hold my hands up and say that I forgot about just how good he was at being a focal point. Yeah. He, he may not he may not be the most mobile runner from side to side or anything or or a constant uh, or a constant menace like Tommy Abraham or something but he can do it. There's a reason why he's so highly regarded by Didier Deschamps and why he's played at the highest level for these many years. World Cup he's, winner. World yeah. Cup winner, exactly. He's he's really good at what he does. He's been so good at um, letting balls bounce off him and then laying it off to our on-rushing attackers. I feel as if, especially against Liverpool, where we had to break quickly, we had to get the ball up front uh, very fast. And mm. then he had to lay it off to the attackers who would then continue the move. So that, that part of transition... Um, the, the basically um, the finishing part, the, the the finishing part of the transition of a move that uh, that sends it into the attacking phase itself mm. is highly highly important. And Giroud has done that very well in both these games, and he's, he's definitely been an improvement on Tammy Abraham in this regard. Although I don't think that Lampard choosing to play Abraham earlier in the season was the wrong decision. I I, I still Mm. I still stand by his call to let Tammy play as much as he did earlier on, except maybe when he was, you know, badly injured and obviously injured. Yeah, that was really <laughs> yeah, that was that was but, probably mm. stupid. But yeah. Uh I I I know I now officially have as much of a problem as you do with Bachuai having played so much ahead of uh, Giroud this season because <laughs> yeah, no I've I've yeah, I've I've now been reminded of what he brings to the table, and I, I, I was very happy when he scored against Everton. He, he got his goal very well deserved, and yeah, I, uh, I I think that he's he's nothing if not a model professional, and he is. Yeah. He says he says that he wants to stay and he wants to earn a new contract here. Now I'm still not sure on how likely that might be. Uh, the the next the next few games might tell us. How good he is when starting at a sustained level at this rate. I'm, I'm still, I'm still not 100% sure on whether Chelsea should give him a new contract or not. But I will say that he is helping us massively this season. I think that he's a very intelligent player, and he, he's so much, he's, he's so good technically. I mean, I, I love, I love the way he, he passes the ball. He strokes it with the deftest of touches and mm. yeah he's generally a very graceful striker for a big man if you may if you'll pardon my cliche so yeah that it's been it's actually been a breath of fresh air to to see Giroud up there and I'm sure uh I mean yeah Arsenal fans are probably happy with Aubameyang but yeah uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm sure they miss him a bit a little bit <laughs> He's a plan B. That that that's something that I really really rate about Giroud and um, why I see there being a chance for him to stay next season because you know he offers a plan B and at this focal point and I I believe that no matter what kind of a striker we have and 
small strikers that are not, you know, as physical as like Olivier Giroud or what Tammy Abraham can be, like Sergio Aguero, that is one in a million. Yeah, and he can still be a focal point despite his physical presence uh, not being as uh, immense as, for example, Olivier Giroud. But, you know, for us, Olivier Giroud is what we currently need. Uh, I hope he can play so well on you know, a sustained level, as you said. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. But generally speaking, he has shown us what we need. And um, it's also giving Tammy Abraham the break he needs to really recuperate and get back as soon as possible to be full fitness, you know, to full fitness. And um, yeah, that, that's that's great. I mean, we still need a new strike in the summer. I mean, ideally, we need the three strikers. If you have a Tammy Abraham who will be uh, play, competing with Olivier Giroud for the first team place at a spot and we have like, I don't know, someone else coming in, um, whoever that may be. I, I, I agree with that. I, I would really be down with that because we have four competitions that will be in, maybe even five if we have like a community shield or something like that. Uh, I'm not going to go and say, go ahead and say, you know, FIFA World Cup um, or Club World Cup. That's maybe a bit too much at this point. But um, I generally do see us uh, keeping him if we really do say, okay, yeah, we're, we're, this is some an entity that we just know and it works, we'll take him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and another one of the disgruntled bunch. Um, disgruntled bunch. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's basically Lampard's disgruntled bunch, isn't it? Alonso, Barkley, Pedro, Giroud. Yeah. Yeah, They've all risen to such prominence in the last three games that it's almost poetic. But while, what do you so to just round off this group of four players? What have you made of Alonso and Barkley? Or I mean, let's just start with Alonso, I guess, because he's he's basically proven to be a very effective striker. And but what have you made of his displays as a left back? Because we've often talked about how good he is as a wing back. But, I mean, um, isn't yeah. he still dodgy? I mean, uh, he's been great recently. I'm not going to uh, say anything else than that because um, I, I'm a huge Emerson supporter. But the way things stand, I just don't, I can't see how he'll be staying at uh, Stamford Bridge next season. It doesn't make sense because we're getting a new left back. That seems pretty damn obvious. Um, but you know, with Marcus Alonso, you have a backup left, uh, left wing or left wing back, left back who can also play phenomenally well or especially well in that three at the back, which Lampard wants to always have that option as a plan B. So I can really see us, uh, shipping, um, Emerson off and, uh, keeping Marcus Alonso because he just gives you once again, a completely different option. And that's something that has served us very, very well this season. Yeah. And what about Ross Barkley? Ross Barkley. I'm it's sorry. It's a weird I, I, one, isn't it? It's I mean, a really weird one. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you what. The thing is, yes, he has. He did play well against Everton. But I still don't see the point in him staying. I'm sorry. I just... You know, it's great. But the story of Ross Barkley is that he is just hugely consistent with being inconsistent. And that's not going to change. That's been something that has been a part of his career from the get-go. And, you know, always have these escapades. I mean, Ross, Bar- uh, Ross Barkley, Frank Lampard said, oh, he's great involvement, uh, you know, in development he's had this season. I'm sorry, there was just, you know, not that long ago, there were the, was the news where he was in that nightclub incident and with the... Um, uh, taxi. Uh, it's just more trouble than it's worth. I don't know. I, I don't see the point in keeping Ross Barkley uh, yeah. over the summer. I mean, if he wants to stay as a sixth option, actually, that makes sense to me. But then again, we have so many options in that uh, department. Why? You know, it's, it's might as well get him out and 
get at least. I mean, I think that's a good thing that he's currently playing that well because then yeah, we he's doing actually, well to pop his price tag up yeah. exactly, and that will actually help Chelsea because I could really imagine us getting double than what we paid for him, and yeah. uh, that will be pretty neat. Because um, let's let's face it, with Billy Gilmer's emergence now, and we still have Conor Gallagher, we have. Um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming back. It just doesn't make sense to keep him past this season. Um, and as such, him playing well now, of course, serves our course very, very well. But uh, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think that Ross Barkley should be uh, just lauded. Oh, such a great turnaround. Because, wait, you know, I can remember last season when he was fantastic in October. Everyone thought he turned a corner, including myself, to be honest, because I wrote that one article that, in hindsight, I shouldn't have. Don't go back and look at it. Um, so, <laughs> so in that regard, you know, I've been disappointed with him before, although I thought, you know, this is the real Ross Barkley that we thought we were, might be getting. So, in that respect, you know, I don't think that it's sensible to keep him. What do you think? Is um, I, I, I can't remember you being overly critical of Ross Barkley. I might be wrong here completely, but uh, you're always a very level-headed guy when it comes to assessing players. So, well, apart from the championship, but generally speaking. So, um, what what do you think? I also not a huge proponent of keeping him. I suppose I I just don't. Yeah, I, I don't see the point. So, if you think about next season midfield options, you have Mason Mount, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Three, Mateo Kovacic, four, mm. Billy Gilmore, and yeah. If, so, if you can't upgrade Ross Barkley with another midfield signing, then maybe keep him because he, he's not he's not a huge financial burden, I guess. But ideally, we should be looking to upgrade him, and. Yeah, as you said, the only way he stays is if he's actually like a fifth or sixth choice. But honestly, I, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't just let Conor Gallagher have a spot or something. Yeah, if if you're Ethan gonna Ambedo, have him as, mate. Ethan, yeah, right? yeah, Ethan Ambedo, exactly. Mm. So yeah, just overall, I don't, I don't see much point behind keeping Ross Barkley. I guess. So yeah, that's uh. That's uh, not not looking very bright from either of us then on Ross Barkley. But then yeah. I think I think out of, out of the four players that we just discussed, I guess we'd want Felipe Giroud to stay the most, mm. I guess. I think we, we've been pretty unequivocal in that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, no, no. Uh, uh, Marcus Alonso, you haven't actually said what you think about him, mate. Uh, uh, I, I, I'd be fine if he went. I'd be fine yeah, if okay. okay. Yeah. I, I have no problem if... I. I'm not a huge Emerson fan, not not as much as you, uh, for what it's worth. But I, I I wouldn't mind if both of them left. We bought a new left back and then said to Ian Matson, "You're our second choice left back." And Aspeliqueta will deputise there if we need him to. We need some experience, don't you think? Because we can't yeah, just put you in can, you, youngsters I mean, everywhere as replacements for you know uh, depth. Think about how much Aspeliqueta has played left back this season. So, uh, 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 if Aspeliqueta, Matson, and maybe Alex Tarras or whoever new signing yeah. left back are our three left backs going into the season, okay, maybe. But okay, fine, me. Uh, that's that, that's that's the pretext on which I see Matson having signed a new five five-year contract today or yesterday that yeah that did happen didn't it yeah <laughs> yeah it did so they've, they've they've clearly had discussions about this because he could have easily chosen to chosen to let his contract run down like Tariq Lamptey did considering that Emerson and Alonso are Chelsea's left backs but obviously neither of them are really Lampard's favorites that may change that may change if we go on some sort of insurmountable winning run until the end of the season and Alonso stars on every game and left back, that may change. In which case, yeah, maybe maybe I'd keep him. But then overall on left backs, one of them has to go. Yeah, I don't see 
I don't, I don't see both of them staying beyond the season for sure. Given Matson's contract renewal, definitely not. So, yeah, if if uh, I'm still not sure on which one of them I like more, because uh, out of Emerson and Alonso, because it's it's just weird that they both have very different skill sets, but they're both they're just I've I've not seen either of them performing consistently well at a stretch, uh, whether it's due to interruptions because of injuries or the team playing badly or whatever. I've I've just not seen either of them be consistent over a run of like seven eight games. So. Mm. I'm I'm very well, actually was what no sorry Emerson was playing that well he was playing from August to October he was fantastic he was our best player statistically and well, you know that that was overstretched uh, not long enough don't get me wrong but because yeah, you said no. that was just about long enough yeah that that was that was at a point when I was beginning to think yeah maybe maybe we did the right thing by buying Emerson but then something something obviously happened to him after that so yeah. That's uh, that, that's a weird one. The left back debate is a weird one, but yeah. I think I think you can be sure that the club are going to try and integrate Matson into their plans because academy players these days are not going to sign long-term deals unless there's a pathway, and there's there's been a reluctance right from someone like Trev Chaloba, who <clears throat> is obviously on loan at Huddersfield right now, but. Mm. He was reportedly reluctant to sign a contract extension before going out on loan. And it's just getting harder and harder to tie these kids down these days. So unless there's a pathway, they're not going to do it. And the fact that Matson has is very significant. So yeah, I I think that Mm. says something about our left-back option in the future. Uh, Anyway, speaking of academy players, another small talking point from the Everton game is that after we were 4-0 up, and 25 minutes left to play, we bought on Faustino Anjurin. Yeah, yeah. In the left attacking position, if I'm not wrong. And on 86 minutes, we replaced Olivier Giroud with Armando Broja, which was all very nice to see, really, because those two are probably one generation younger, or maybe, I think... Anjurin is definitely younger than Billy Gilmore, if I'm not wrong. Um, and You're the expert, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just getting a little fuzzy on the exact dates of birth. But yeah, I think Anjurin, having just turned 18, is younger than Billy Gilmore. And mm-hmm. he's, he's not been on the periphery of the first team as much as the others have whether that be Lamptey or Kilmore or Margohi even. And it's a bit of a bit of a strange one because Anjurin is this type of player that is probably not mentally accustomed to thinking at a higher level like Billy Gilmore is. So or, or mentally ready enough for that yet. And maybe you could see a couple of examples of that in these two instances where yeah. well one he was he was in on goal and uh, there was another similar instance that is slipping my memory now, but yeah, I they held on to the oh, when when Gilmore, yeah, 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 yeah. squared it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and and yeah, that that kind of that obviously, I'm I'm not going to make any conclusions based off a 20 minute cameo appearance. Uh, Anjaran is obviously a very talented player, and there's every reason to believe that he is part of Chelsea's future. Obviously, he, he didn't look amazing in this. Oh, yeah, the other instance was when he he tried to shoot, and then I think it went all the way to the corner flag instead. <laughs> but that's okay. That that happens when you're making your Premier League debut. I imagine the nerves can't be easy to deal with. But uh, on, on Armando Broja, it was a small sample size to judge. He made a couple of decent runs, I guess. Got fouled that one time from Mason Holgate, which was ridiculous. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He, that was not yeah. bad. So bad, yeah. there were a couple of couple of runs. Uh, Broja is he is starting to break out this season. He's been scoring goals at under eighteen and uh, Dev Squad level. He's now the main striker at Dev Squad level since 
Uh, Charlie Brown, formerly of Peanuts fame, has gone on loan to Union SG in Belgium, second 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 tier. Mm. So he is obviously at uh, a point in his development curve that is further behind the likes of the other academy players that have made their debuts this season. He's um, probably needs more game time at that level, although he is physically quite developed. But generally, it was... I mean, I don't think we'll be seeing them getting too many more minutes uh, this season, maybe next season. But in general, I think that's eight academy players who have made their debuts on the final. Even nine. Yeah, under nine. nine. I believe okay. there are nine that they said at Sky Sport. They were nine. Might be wrong. Might be wrong. Okay. Definitely, definitely eight or nine then. Um, but that's, I think, that's joint highest though. Or. Yeah. It's either joint highest or it's highest because um, I think I think the Broja one may have tipped it. So yeah, um, yeah, that's that's really, really amazing, isn't it? <laughs> that's uh, as you said, it's kind of surreal to see all this happening at Chelsea, uh, considering that last season Maurizio Sarri went without <laughs> playing George McEachern off the bench at Malvidi. Right, mm. uh, or, or giving Mark Gurhi his debut um, in the last game of the season, where there were basically no consequences. So we've gone from one extreme to the other in a short space of time, and that was cool. And that was while Billy Gilmore and Rhys James were playing as a midfield pivot. And what what, what did you happen to make of that, by the way? Rhys James has obviously played as a defensive midfielder for Wigan Athletic last season. That's how he ended the season. I think yeah. he played. 20-22% of his games um, in midfield and I, th- I thought he looked very very assured in his I think 20-25 minute appearance here so what did you think of that? Obviously Everton were quite tired and demotivated at that point. Uh, yeah that, that's what one has to keep in mind You know, he, it was a great performance, uh, he was very assured on the ball as you already said uh, some slick passing spread it quite well um, but you know, I think it's difficult to just say, oh, yeah, he, he's a great option there. Because, first of all, we won him at right back. You know, this is something that was for that game because we are understaffed right now and um, Mason Mount had to come off. Generally speaking, yeah, great to have that option. And that's also something that Lampard said, it's great to have the option. But, you know, I, it's not something where you're saying, yeah, that we're going to see this more often than not. Um, so, uh yeah, I, I don't think there's much to say on that. Um, if if we need to, then we'll do that. But generally, I'd rather us um, have him stick to to uh, to right back. But um, I mean, what? Hmm. I mean, if Ethan Ampadu, for example, comes back, you know, then. We're going to have another option in midfield or yeah. centre-back. I don't think we're going to see him then too often. I mean, it's... I guess so. Probably just an, uh, just an emergency option that yeah. you're happy to have, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, definitely, definitely happy to have because it, one, one thing, one of the main traits that I really love about players when he's versatile yeah, because it gives sure. you that option uh, of uh, saying, "Oh well, at least we can put him there." That's the same thing. Why Azpilicueta is so so good in what he does because you know he can play on the right, on the uh, left, or he can play in central defence, both in a three or in a two. I mean, we haven't seen him too often in a two, but we know how good he is in a three. So, and Azpilicueta is, you know, in our recent history, one of the best players that we've had around, a fantastic servant. So. If Reese James can be anything like that, then you no, know, by all means. So, yeah, I mean, Tina Andrin, one has to be patient. He showed confidence, you know, a level of confidence where he said it's, it's healthy because he took that shot. It was a terrible shot, but still, not every uh, youth player would have the confidence to um, take out that responsibility. He did. Uh, we. People are handling him even higher than Ruben Loftus Cheek was. So there's a lot to say about Tina Andrew, and there's a lot to come. So we just have to be patient there. 
basing that off 15 minutes of play is ridiculous because there was quite some criticism on social media. Um, but having he had said some, that, he had some good moments as well. To be fair, where he just showed that he was a strong runner. Like I mean, yeah. that's his game. That's his game. So. Yeah, no, definitely. That's true. That's very true. And that's something that people should be keeping in mind. But um, yeah, before we get to the last segment of the podcast, we're just going to take a quick break. Welcome back. And the final segment of today's episode, We in Got No Podcast, will be us looking ahead to the Aston Villa game, which is our next fixture. And well, Aston Villa recently beaten Carabao Cup finalists, that is. They somewhat unfortunately lost to Manchester City. And we'll be going to Villa Park, which I have always remembered from my from my childhood days of starting to watch Chelsea as a tricky place to go to, the days when Aston Villa used to have players like Ashley Young, Gabby Agbon Lahore when he was actually good, James Milner, Stylian Petrov, Charles Nzogbia, you know how it goes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, that they're not they're not doing so well these days. They are still, I mean, very much fighting for for their survival in this league, and obviously not helped by the fact that perennial bad boy Danny Drinkwater has gotten to trouble, gotten himself into trouble yet again by having a uh, by headbutting his teammate uh, Jota Pelotero. And he's been sent home, and they're considering cancelling his loan and everything. And yeah, that's just that's bad overall. And Aston Villa are basically a club that have made a number of very strange decisions over the course of the season, whether that's to do with player recruitment or tactically. And yeah, I, I feel as if it's probably a good time to play them, given that we are on a good run of form. And it's it's a good opportunity for us to establish the momentum that we have already, despite Villa Park not being the easiest place to go. And actually, Frank Lampard lost his previous game against Villa Park. I think he got thrashed quite comprehensively, Derby County against Aston Villa. But yeah, I, I expect things to be very different this time. Uh, I think, is, is Jorginho still suspended? He is. That's like the second one. Oh, there we go. So that's, yeah, I guess Billy Gilmore is in for four starts then. Um, Billy Gilmore will definitely start against Aston Villa. Let's see how he copes there. And I, I expect mostly the same lineup as Everton to play against Aston Villa. I don't see many changes unless Kovacic is back fit. Then I expect him to start in in lieu of maybe one of Mason Mount or Ross Barkley, as I mentioned before. But yeah, it should be. Ho- hopefully, we will win it just as comprehensively as we won the Everton game. And hopefully, we get to see Jack Realish in action because he is a delightful player to watch. Uh, Jimmy, what do you think of our next game? Well, I'm not that looking forward to Jack Realish because I couldn't care less about him. But I, you know, that's <laughs> just me. <laughs> Um, generally speaking, yeah, I, I totally agree with that assessment that it's probably a very good time to face them at the moment. So um, let's hope that we're able to do justice to our current um, upward trend. And um, I don't even need it to be as comprehensive a win as you size of it as it was against Everton. It's going to be a tricky away game because if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it was. So I I don't expect that from, I mean, if it happens, fantastic. I just don't think it will because they'll be um, set up very compactly and I just, you know, Everton came there to play football against us and I don't think that Aston Villa is going to try and do that. Um, And we have struggled notoriously when team sit back and let us try and make the play and break them down and then they've just been dreadful to us on the counter and Aston Villa has got a few good players Danny Drinkwater isn't one of them okay but yes Mbwana Samata yeah. their new striker has been playing well for them mm. 
So and, he's been yeah. on the lookout for, and Tyrone Mings has been oscillating, I guess. So yeah, he he. I, I feel as if he was in much stronger form earlier in the season. So it's it's basically basically Jack Relish and Samata and. Maybe marvelous Nakamba, if he plays, could prove to be a bit of a nuisance in midfield because he's basically a um, Golo Kante-esque player who will run around a lot and constantly harry our midfield. So, well, if I we're think, playing with Gilmore, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But those would be those would be my three players to look out for, and yeah, the. Weirdly enough, they will have Pepe Reina in goal. As I said, they have a very strange squad. Oh Pepe Reina in goal, Borja Baston on the bench. It's just, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about this Aston Villa squad. If they if they survive, they'll they'll need to, they'll need some proper good recruitment in the summer. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I digress. Do we have uh, do we have lineup predictions for this one, Jimmy? I'm sure we do. I mean, it's tricky at the moment as a Chelsea fan to really predict this lineup accurately because you never know who's back or injured. <laughs> but yeah. um, if we're going to take our currently you know, known uh, players that we have at our disposal into contention, then um, I mean, I think Capoeira is a Balaga. We haven't mentioned him. He's been very, very good recently, and yeah, I'm very yes. happy to see him come back into the team. He's deserved so. Uh, not, I, I still rate Willy Caballero as a as a backup keeper. I think he's a great keeper to have. I like him as a person, very calm, and has experience. Um, but still, you know, looking ahead, we want Kep, of course, to find back to the form that we know he can have and he showed last season because people writing off that's ridiculous he's shown that he's good you know come on people have a bit of uh, of pride and have a bit of uh of compassion with the guy you know he can't always be good um people are being very very patient with frank lampard and with other players why not with caparas belag i know he's been dreadful this season but it seems to have helped him that he's uh, being kept out of the side. So wh- why why can't he now show uh, why we should keep him in this side? Because people are, saw the Ter Stegen rumours today light up and people, oh yeah, let's do that. Come on. You know, I, Ter Stegen is a better keeper at this point. Let's not kid ourselves. But still, you know, Kepa's still got a lot to offer and I think he will improve. Because of Frank Lampard's man management skills, and he's shown that quite well now. Um, yeah, yeah so we'll, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But Caparazza Balaga for me seems like a, a given to start in goal. Um, Reese James at right back, um, centre back. That is what do you think? Because centre back's been a, a very, very, very difficult one to predict too. Always uh, winning. Think- yeah, I think, I think it goes play. Zuma Rodiger again, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I think he won't change. Uh, unless someone has been performing badly in training, I don't think he'll change a winning combination. Hmm. No, that makes sense, yeah. All right, well, then then let's go with that. Then Zuma and Rudiger. Left back, it's got to be... Well, actually, if it is Reese James at right back, then where does Cesar's Belegueta play? That's the thing. Yeah, that's so. You you might think that he will continue to play as Pelicueta right back because Reese James has had a run in the side and he's 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 looked quite good in some games, but then he's been a bit shaky in some games, a bit like Fikayo Tomori earlier in the, earlier in the season. So you do what you do with young players, and then sometimes you just need to give them a run out of the side as well, like you give them a run in the side. So I wouldn't be surprised if Aspeliqueta just continued to start right back. To be honest, I think that's a bit harsh because when was Reese James, apart from the Bayern game, and you can really uh, understand that one, but when has he been shaky otherwise? He's not been shaky, but then uh, he he was he was starting when we were in a vein of bad form, and Lampard the, the way Lampard works is he makes changes to the team when it's losing. And when it starts winning, he becomes less prone to making changes, especially in defense. So if 
if this keeps going well, it's obviously going to be hard for Rhys James to get back in, into the side. I mean, he's not been shaky per se, but I feel as if there have been moments where he's been caught up the pitch or he's been caught in possession because, you know, he has these moments where he tries to take players on instead of taking the safe option because he knows he's good at it. And mm. I feel as if a similar thing happened to Fikayo Tomori as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's not to say that they got overconfident or anything of the sort, but then these small moments can cost you in games at times, and obviously Aspelikwara has his faults as well. But I think it's all part and parcel of the management of the way you integrate young players into the team coming straight into the Premier League from a lower league. Uh, it's obviously, it, it, it should not be seen like it should not be seen as if Lampard is reprimanding him or punishing him or something like that. Uh, it's just it's just management. That's that's how I see it. I mean, obviously, you you might then say, "What about Mason Mount?" <laughs> to which I'm going to tell you, I really don't know because that's that's like an outlier. Mason Mount is treated differently to any other youth player, but he's also not in defense, and I feel as if the youth players in defense. Are their their mistakes are magnified a lot more than they are anywhere in, anywhere else? No, undoubtedly. Mm. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's just my take on the whole thing. It's it's a if if Reece James doesn't start, doesn't mean that you know Lampard suddenly doesn't rate him. It's just it's just it's just part of the way things are when you're developing developing young player. So I, I think that'd be okay. So, so he's maybe definitely out of favour, and we're going to sell him. Uh, yeah. All of that, yeah. <laughs> just, just, you know, just try to be a bit uh, negative here. Be too positive. Too, too yeah. positive for Chelsea. Right. <laughs> no, but no, I, I fully agree with your assertions, Ram. Uh, I think that's a very solid way of looking at it. And it makes more sense now. Um, because, you know, defensively, that has been our problem. I can't fault him for wanting to trust in in experience there. Though I must say, I, I just think Reese James has made us better, even defensively. But you know, whatever Lampard thinks is better there, I'll trust him because he's the expert, he's the coach, he's the manager, whatever you want to call it, and we should trust him in that regard. So yeah, yep. I guess we we can leave it at that. What do you think? Score predictions. Oh well, no! Wait, sorry, we haven't actually talked about. Yeah, the was, yeah. We, about. we didn't we didn't get past right back. <laughs> <laughs> so midfield, I, I would probably play Kilmore, Kovacic, and Mount. What about you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, I'd go with exactly the same. I mean, provided that Kovacic, you know, can play, is fit. Yeah, <laughs> but um. Otherwise, yeah, uh, I really wouldn't need to see Ross Barkley uh, there because the thing is, where he hasn't played well for us is when we're the ones in control and they then try and counter us. Everton wasn't doing that. Yeah, other teams have. And then Ross Barkley struggles to get back because he's one of the most prone players to concede possession. The guy tried something. It was great against Everton, but I think there was also that, that ulterior motive. You say, uh, my former club, they were booing me the whole time. So I've got a point to prove. But otherwise, Ross Barkley has always been the kind of guy that tries something fancy and it just does not come off. And then we uh, have uh, the opponents running at our goal. So um, I really hope he doesn't play. I don't think that would be a good fit for this one. So whatever happens if possible then the three that you named that i i definitely go with them as well yep and front line no changes assume pulisic isn't fit yet because he let's just assume he's not fit yet so, <laughs> so close apparently so close no? so close yeah but he's probably playing with the 23s first so pedro william chiru gotta be gotta be yeah got no other choice really have we eh? um so, yeah, I mean, if anyone's fit, you know, well, anyone, we've been informed today, I mean, it's nothing official, but that um, Callum Hudson will be four weeks now. So that's 
very disappointing. Um, but at least we know that's not going to happen now <laughs> for the uh, foreseeable future, meaning that William and Pedro is the best we've got. So, I mean, we could play Mount on the wing, um, but then uh, we have someone missing in that midfield, so that's difficult. Yep. Well, that basically is a similar type of lineup then to last game. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, well, not that we have too many options, to be fair, but yeah. Exactly. I mean, we, <laughs> it's it's very difficult to do a, a, um, a predicted lineup, which is uh, different to the other one, or because we just haven't got any options, really. But, you know, well, let's see in... Maybe that will change very soon, we'd hope. Can't be all bad all the time. Can't have that much bad luck. We have had luck with injuries over the years. We have to be that that honest to each other. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's just a difficult time, but we'll get through it. Yep, and score predictions from you? I'm going to go with a 2-1 win for Chelsea. 2-1 win, okay. I will go for a 3-1 win. I think Jack Grealish is too good not to score. So, yeah, I think he's going to score. But then we'll win We'll win 3-1. I, I, ideally, I'd like Jack Grealish to score first. And then we score three goals. Because, you know, we, we, we need a good comeback, to be fair. So, we're, we're due a good comeback. We just haven't seemed to have that in our system this season. So, yeah, Grealish to score first and then three goals from whoever could even be kept I don't mind okay so yeah <laughs> okay well I mean that pretty much wraps it up for today um as Ram said we have had a bit of a hiatus uh it's been tricky time wise um and now we should be up and running again on a regular basis uh yeah and hopefully we'll be able to talk about a famous win against well Aston Villa <laughs> uh, and by Munich next week. We might not get to the next round, but may, uh, let's hope we can get out or go out with a bang. Um, that's all from us. We'll see you next week and keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>